With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Happy Thursday. I hope you're having a happy Thursday because uh, I'm not. <laughs> I woke up this morning. Uh, I get an email out of Germany from my podcast hosting provider, the, the one that I've been using since 2015, since I've had my Geopolitics and Empire podcast, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, who I've had no problems with until now. And they just decided to delete, terminate, remove uh, one of my podcast uh, episodes from a year ago, where I interviewed um, Christy, Christy Grace, who worked in the biotech industry, and where we were discussing how the Pentagon juice was, you know, probably harming people. So now SoundCloud is into the censorship business, uh, Spotify as well. So now I got to look for a new podcast host. The tyranny, the algorithm ghetto just continues to advance. You know, they sent me an email. They said I was found to be in breach of our terms of use on the grounds of promoting misinformation. Um, they say blah, blah, blah. Any user found to be purp purposely sharing information that is fabricated or misleading may be deemed in violation of our terms of service and subject to the immediate permanent termination of their accounts. As such, we have removed this content from your accounts. Please note that a repeated violation of our terms could lead to the permanent suspension, suspension of your account. We always strive to be fair and objective in our decision-making. All right. Yeah. Nice SoundCloud. So if anyone out there was thinking of starting a podcast, yes, forget SoundCloud, uh, Spotify, and anyone else who has participated in this selective censor. Tomorrow, they can just like terminate a dozen of my podcasts or the entire podcast. And, and I, you know, my, my internet isn't working either, either today, uh, but I got my Starlink. I'm on, uh, I'm using Elon Musk Starlink uh, as we speak. Always, you want to have a plan B. Um, all right. Uh, the next two hours we'll have coming up first, first hour, someone from Argentina beaming in, Agustin Beldi, uh, who's worked, um, who'd been a coordinator for Javier Malay's presidential campaign uh, and Chad Stewart's second hour to talk about literature, edu education. It's my first time chatting with Chad. What's happening in the world? Um, well, I already mentioned that my SoundCloud incidents, I thought I'd share this quote from Robert Anton Wilson. Yeah, the dude was was uh, not my cup of tea, but I, 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 what he says here, I think is true. He says, quote, a monopoly on the means of communication may define a ruling elite more precisely than the celebrated Marxian formula of monopoly in the means of production. Um, there's this crazy story from yesterday from 404media.co. Inside a global phone spy tool monitoring billions. And basically they say that hundreds of thousands of ordinary apps on your phones, including popular ones such as 9gag, KIK, and a series of caller ID apps are part of a global surveillance capability that starts with ads inside each app and ends with the app's users being swept up into a powerful mass monitoring tool 
advertise to national security agencies that can track the physical location, hobbies, and family members of people to build billions of pro profiles, according to a 404 media investigation. So absolutely insane. Um, this is why you want to have a dumb phone, the Google phone, um, and generally not be downloading all of these apps and anything you really got to do, do it on a laptop or desktop. This is absolute uh, insanity. A lot of insanity. Speaking of um, insanity is uh, what's happening uh, in the U.S. today. Trump advisor Peter Navarro has been sentenced to four months for ignoring J6 Puina. Um, I think he's going to appeal that. But what about all the others who've ignored, um, you know, Hunter Biden and others? So things are just heating up. Um, House committee announced date to mark up Alejandro Mayorkas's impeachment. You know, Clay Higgins has really been pushing that. So that's going on. Uh, they're moving forward uh, with the impeachment of this Cuban-born uh, Mayorkas. This, this is an interesting news coming from uh, Panama uh, reports. Uh, in Panama, the number of Chinese crossing the Darien jungle increases. A transit is recorded from just over 900 Chinese a year ago to more than 10,800 Chinese in the last 100 days crossing in Panama. What is what is going on here? This is ecotvpanama-com. Um, Com. So 10,000 Chinese coming in to the U.S. Uh, and then you've got what's going on with Greg Abbott, uh, right? Um, latest Newsweek headline says, Greg Abbott's fight with Biden sparks warnings. Civil war has begun. All on cue, right? The Civil War movies coming out in, what, two, three months? Um, so we've got the movie already scheduled as the actual civil war perhaps possibly sparks off. Uh, you've got 25 GOP governors now issuing statements in support of Texas in its border dispute with Biden's federal government. Um, you've got, I uh, just take our border back.com now. So they're going to have uh, another trucker convoy, uh, a border convoy starts in four days, January 29th until the fe February 3rd. It'll be going through um, all over the place, Texas, uh, Arizona, California. So yeah, if you were uh, feeling bored for a while, well, um, things are starting to fire up <laughs> all over the place. Uh, a quick reminder that at tnt we never go home we're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time broadcasting live 24 7 online globally no matter what we got you covered on tnt talk that matters for once we just need to do what's best for the same country and not what's best for the world today's news talk radio tnt according to wapo washington post presidente biden plans to dispatch cia director bill burns in the coming days to help negotiate a ceasefire between hamas and israel here with the story joining me now tnt news producer adam clark aka ruckus thanks Rory. ah yes good old bill burns <laughs> i used to share this um 
this quote of his that's quite famous. Uh, maybe we'll discuss that later. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, the, the president is planning, allegedly, according to WAPO, to send Mr. Burns to meet with Qatari, Egyptian, and Israeli negotiators to help broker a deal that would see Hamas release all its hostages in exchange for a ceasefire in Gaza. Wow, sounds good on paper. Uh, according to sources familiar with the plan, speaking to WAPO, uh, Washington Post, Burns is expected to go to Europe in the coming days to meet with Qatari Prime Minister Mohammed bin Abdulrahman Al Thani, Israel's Mossad director David Barnia, and Egyptian intelligence director Abbas Kamel. Hope I said their names correctly. Uh, Qatar and Egypt have been leading the talks, which remain at a standstill with Israel and Hamas refusing to accept the other's condition for a temporary truce and hostage exchange. CIA man to the rescue. Burns is expected to help push the talks along as the U.S. has remained an active member on the negotiation table with the negotiators expected to, quote, exert joint pressure on Hamas, end quote. At least that's what a senior Israeli official told Channel 12. The CIA and White House declined to comment uh, to NY Post on Burns' alleged deployment overseas. Along with moving the negotiations forward, Burns will also likely be tasked with smoothing things over between Israel and Qatar. Qatari officials had criticized the Jewish state for hampering the negotiation talks following reports this week that Netanyahu allegedly characterized the nation's role as mediators in the Gaza war as quote-unquote problematic. The quote, which aired on Israeli news broadcasts, was allegedly leaked from a meeting Netanyahu held with families of the more than 130 Israelis who remain captive in Gaza. The prime minister's statements referred to Qatar's role as a host to Hamas's leadership, as well as the fact that the nation provides millions of dollars of aid to Palestinians living in Gaza. Qatar, however, has been touted by the U.S. as a key ally in the region who has helped broker hostage deals in the past, including November's truce that saw more than 100 captives freed from Gaza. Qatar's foreign ministry spokesman Majad al-Ansari wrote on X on Wednesday night, quote, These remarks, if validated, are irresponsible and destructive to the efforts to save innocent lives but are not surprising, end quote. Netanyahu did not respond to the criticism from Qatari officials, and amidst the rift, Qatar revealed that Hamas had called off negotiations with Israel until the IDF completely withdraws its troops from the Gaza Strip. That's according to I-24 News. The Qatari negotiators stressed that Hamas is demanding a quote-unquote package deal to cover all steps of a hostages exchange and truce in Gaza, while Israel has repeatedly tried to negotiate one stage of the deal at a time. The deal that was most recently being discussed called for a month-long truce that would allow the hostages to be safely freed in exchange for Palestinian prisoners being held in Israel. So, Herbori, is the U.S. directly in your face sending CIA man going to solve the problem or make the problem worse? What do you think? I think it can go either way. I feel like there's no telling um, 
what what can happen you know we're in this uh state of flux globally it's the hundred year storm so look what's happening uh, uh, um the chain reaction that's going on now in texas at the border with um mexico and um you just never know what's gonna happen uh yeah what's that forrest gump line i'm forgetting now you never know what you're gonna get the box of chocolates and you know, i caught this clip uh, today um noam dan a cousin of Israeli captive, Offer Calderon, says Netanyahu is intentionally killing captives in Gaza and refuses to negotiate their return so he can extend his political survival. He says, quote, they are enacting on us the Hannibal Directive. My government is annihilating uh, them. And it's interesting, you know, you caught this story. And another story I was going to mention that I got from Intel News, because, uh, you know, as you mentioned, how Bill Burns is being deployed in, to the Middle East, you know, Israel, Gaza. Also, I think that's not going to be the only uh, stop he's going to make. It's being reported that he's also secretly going to visit or secretly visit Somalia and Kenya amidst rising tensions in East um, Africa. So he, I guess he'd already visited them um, secretly. And it just, it seems like uh, a lot is going on in the American military industrial complex. I, I feel they're losing their footing. I mean, Pax Americana is declining, and you might begin to see a lot of blowback, right? That's why he's going to Africa um, and all these different places. And, you know, there was an interesting piece published um, yesterday called titled, uh, where is it? American troops know Iran is already at war with us. And the takeaway here, it says, it's almost like there are two policies for the Biden administration. In Washington, the State Department and Treasury Department are still pursuing a nuclear deal with Iran. In Iraq, Syria, and Yemen, the U.S. military is at war. And we are seeing this, you know, sort of schizo nature all over the place in Israel um, and elsewhere. But, you know, Ruckus, I cannot make a prediction here. What If, if Bill Burns is going to... I would say, looking... Over the past few months and his um, efforts when it came to Ukraine, th there were reports that he was telling some of the more uh, the crazies in the Pentagon to sort of cool things down. So, you know, we, we could have, you know, it, it could be worse. So I, I think, you know, whatever Bill Burns can do, I think he'll try to cool things down, maybe. Well, I was um, I have to correct myself right now because I was mentioning something about a famous quote. Uh, it wasn't William Burns. I got my CIA directors named William confused. It was William J. Casey. And the quote I used to share by him is, uh, we'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. So I, I, I thought for a second that was the same guy. It's not. But, uh, you know, they certainly cut from the same cloth. And, hey, they're both named William. So why not? Um, the thing is, isn't the CIA known for for performing, I don't know, covert, uh, covert operations uh, where there's regime change taking place in various countries around the world. I thought I'd heard a rumor about such a thing, but just kidding. Yeah, that's what they used to do. It seems now we just send them out there in front of, you know, everybody to just say, you know, shake hands, meet at the table. Times have changed, Herbori. I guess maybe it's a good sign, you know, no more covert ops. Now we'll just meet you at the table. We'll see. Well well, you know, I've had on the show um, Brian Fairchild, former CIA operative, who's complaining about how the CIA today sucks. Uh, and I, I, I've interviewed um, the other day. It's not up on my podcast yet. J. Michael Waller, uh, fantastic. Who he, he's written a book on how the FBI and CIA today have become villains. And I think he's also concurring with uh, Brian Fairchild. So uh, 
all right catch up with you in a bit uh always welcome questions comments through the chat email or, or calling in we'll be right back tnt's mark morano this just in we have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways streets and other public areas yes ladies and gentlemen this appears to be the most effective way we have a uh, we have a field shot a correspondent on the scene let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. I don't wanna see protests shut down, but obviously when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that, you need to be dealt with. I thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it. Mark Morano on today's News Talk TNT. Chief Division Counsel and DOJ have approved a no-knock breach. We want the subject to be on display, doing the walk of shame, full visual impact. Any questions? Are we becoming a police state? Government told American citizens they couldn't go to church on Sunday. For the first time in my life, I'm saying to myself, am I going to get a knock at the door? FBI warrant, come to the door now! The Patriot Act and FISA were used against Donald Trump. These individuals have commissioned the biggest propaganda play in U.S. history. They don't go after the people that rigged the election. They go after the people that want to find out what the hell happened. We don't need to have a crime. What we need is a person to look at, and then we go find out what crime you did. FBI! Our focus is shifting. Our main priority as a bureau is going to be domestic terrorism. It really paints anybody who's right of center. If you're a pro-life, pro-family Catholic, they define you as radical. These are anti-government. We have freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Violent extremists, and they must be dealt with. We can do anything we want. If you're still wearing a cloth or surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining us is Agustin Belli, an Argentine libertarian. Um, I believe he was a candidate for his local um, municipal council, also coordinated um, aspects of Javier Millet's presidential campaign. You can follow him on Twitter X at a-G-U-S Beldi, B-E-L-D-I. Welcome to TNT, Augustin. Uh, thank you for having me, Hidona. Thanks for coming on. You know, I wanna, I'm, I'm trying to look at different topics every day. Uh, and uh, Argentina, right? Latin America, uh, Argentina. Uh, I want to sort of get your take as to what's going on there. But, you know, I, I found you uh, recently because you were a guest on Chris Baker's Fount Fountainhead Forum. Uh, I've been a guest on his program and I got to hang out with, I met him last year at the Ron Paul Institute the conferences. Um, and if, if you want to just tell us a bit about um, yourself, uh, you know, your political philosophy and the work that you've been doing uh, out there in Argentina. Well, uh, I began working in politics in 2021. 
uh, with a different uh, political uh, party. Uh, but the idea had always been to follow Javier Millet. He he came in like a, he is a rock star here in Argentina and, and he has a charisma to him that is very unique. And we haven't seen something like that in, in many, many years. He kind of captivated us, the youth, uh, many people and and so we decided to to follow him and it has been my pleasure to be a part of this campaign in 2023 last year and uh it was my pleasure and it was a hard-fought battle and and we always knew it was going to be a, a national campaign so we 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 always worked towards the objective of javier Millet president uh presidente for uh, to make javier Millet the president so it, everything was angled towards that uh, for my personal political belief, I believe I am a libertarian more so every day. Uh, the more you learn about what, what's going on in the, the government and what they have been doing for the past, uh, well, 30 years, you realize so much is wrong and, and it cannot be helped. It cannot be solved unless you cut it off. And so every day I, I become a little bit more libertarian. I don't know if you can just go off the rail to, to to extreme anarchism in that regard, but still libertarian every day. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't call myself libertarian, but I would say libertarian-ish, you know, Ron Paul. Oh, small um, and Right. T t taking a lot of the, 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 the principles, um, but, uh, you know, Javier Millet for a second, you know, uh, when it was when he won the presidency, a friend of mine here in Mexico was down in Argentina hmm. for, on vacation, and he was in the airport when they announced uh, Javier Millet won. And he told me, boots on the ground, like you say, that the majority of people were happy. Uh, so would you sort of say that like most Argentinians are, are, are happy? And, and who are the ones that are not happy with Javier Millet? There are, there are two points that we need to, to consider on this subject. First of all, Javier Millet is the most voted president in the history of our country. That's the first point. That is one of the most important. And the second uh, point is that it has been a, a, a youth revolution. It's a it's a something the young people pushed. And so, when when you look at it from that perspective, it's kind of inevitable that that everyone is happy about it. Fifty six percent of the vote. It's kind of unimaginable for any other political force in Argentina uh, to this day. And those who are not happy tend to fall in line with what uh, I guess are more in line with the left, with uh, the center left, probably it's more precise to call them. Um, like everything, every country has uh, its uniqueness, right? Peronism began in 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 the 1930s in 1940s I mean as a as the first workers movement as the first right wing workers movement in the world it began as that and it was a right wing movement for a long long time and after the last uh military regime with the military junta and, and everything that we went through there came uh, the Alfonsine, which was a radical from another party, and then Peronism came back. But when it came back, it morphed into this global left-wing idea of what progressivism is, environmentalism. By, but they never abandoned their original uh, standards. The, For example, social justice 
is a term invented by Juan Domingo Perón, the founder of Peronism. Uh, so we've been dealing with social justice and uh, many progressive narrative points for 100 years. In that regard, we, we are lucky that we, uh, well, I think we feel that we broke shackles. And so the people that are not happy with us today are the people that liked the status quo from before, the people that profited from the government, that lived off, lived off of the government and the state and from the hunger of children, probably is the better way to say it. Because that's the dichotomy here today. Those who claim to fight for the for the little guy, for the poor people, for the starving children, are the ones profiting from the government, abusing and 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 taking money from uh, social programs for themselves. And those are the people that, for example, uh, marched uh, yesterday. Yesterday we had a huge march by one of the largest unions in in Argentina. And it was a complete disaster. Um, no one came. It was like, I think, 40,000 people. And, and when, when the CGT or CGT, uh, when that union calls for a strike, uh, in the past, it was a massive, massive protest. But 40,000 people was nothing. It was a disaster in their eyes, meaning that they have lost a lot of support because, as I said before, we've broken those shackles. And so we on the right or the libertarian side we feel that we are the good guys. We actually call ourselves the forces of heaven. That is a meme on the internet, and that's how we call everyone that 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 um, advocates for Malay and libertarianism. I like that forces uh, of heaven. Real quick, we're going to jump to our headlines. Rolling. TNT Radio News. This is news. Here we go. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced the addition of more razor wire along the U.S.-Mexico border, intensifying efforts to curb illegal immigration. Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban announced on Wednesday that the Hungarian government supports Sweden's accession to NATO and is planning to schedule a ratification vote in Parliament soon. In the U.K., more than 1.4 million people have been disconnected from the energy grid since November due to the inability to pay their bills. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Agustin Beldi is with us from Argentina. I'm down here in Mexico, narco territory. Uh, do follow Agustin on his Twitter X at A-G-U-S-B-E-L-D-I. A while back I had um, Venezuelan Emmanuel Rincon. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Emmanuel um, Agustin. He's got a big following He's down in Florida. But, you know, just going back to Millet for a moment, uh, he was recently at Davos, right? I, I listened to oh, yeah. the, the speech. Um, and, and, and I did notice, you know, I think the day after he became president, um, he had a phone call with um, the, the demon from hell, Georgia, uh, the, the head of the IMF, right? The International Mafia. Um, <laughs> um, found, I forget, Georgia, Georgia Vina, I forget her name. Uh, but, you know, I, uh, I, I studied Georgia. diplomacy. Right. Uh, 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 Christina, no, Georgieva or something. But Christina uh, I, I, yeah. Uh -huh. and, and so I, I studied diplomacy. And, you know, we do have to... Um, make it clear that when you are a politician, you have all these relationships, right? And in the field of diplomacy and governments, 
you have to deal with so many people, um, many including, you know, that you don't want to, but what's sort of your reaction and, and analysis when it comes to Javier uh, Emile at Davos uh, and then the, the dealings he has with, with the IMF uh, and, and whatnot? Well, first of all, he inherited many dealings with the IMF. Uh, the previous government was a, a serial debt taker. So it was inevitable that he had to deal with them at some point. Uh, luckily for us, he campaigned on cutting costs and expenses. And expenses. So he uh, actually proposed a program that was uh, tougher than the one that the that the IMF was trying to take to make Argentina take. Uh, if I were to talk about the Davos speech, it was exactly the same things that he has been talking about since the beginning of his political campaign not one iota uh, out of place. He he literally said those things uh, the entire time. It was nothing new for us, but it was nice to 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 be recognized, to, to take this battle on a worldwide scale. There is a problem that we have today with globalization in and of itself is not bad. Free markets are a good thing, but when the dispossessed of the world clamor for their identity, clamor for the for basic rules on reality, and they live under this oppression by their own state and the intervention of many other states, uh, these are the things that tend to happen. And so Millet is kind of channeling an anger, like everyone feels in some way that in this internet age that they've been deprived of their privacy of the private property of their of the fruit of their labors and so he's tapping into that and at the same time he's telling people hey we have a way out of this and you get to be free you get to have things and be happy the counter narrative worldwide is the wef's um you'll own nothing and be happy which no one really likes because everyone likes to own things and uh, famously, we own our own bodies. So when you say you will own nothing, will you own your own body or will it be taken away? That is another argument. And there is, of course, the anti-humanist um, proposition, uh, abortion, less people and all that stuff. And so the, 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 tri the, the three angles are liberty, property and life. And it's actually what uh Millet made the official motto for this year so every year argentina chooses a motto um, um, like a slogan every year and every official bureaucratic document has to carry this slogan on top of every page and for this year was liberty property and life the world enslavement forum wef as i i, I heard yesterday <laughs> um just uh just to see how Millet is doing now, you know, there's this talk of dollarizing the economy. Um, and I caught a yes. comment yesterday that, and it was from a leftist, you know, I, I follow a lot of smart people and they're good on, you know, anti-war and empire, but I'm not down with their collectivism, right? And this leftist was, no uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, th this leftist was opining on Twitter that, the dollarization like this was just yesterday or this week that 
the 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 Argentine peso was crashing, things were crashing. Um, you know, the thoughts on that, the inflation, the dollarization, what, what what's going on there? Well, uh, inflation is a chronic problem in Argentina. Uh, what I like to describe it is economic shamanism. Every government before Millet has been uh, applying economic shamanism. They have no idea how the economy works. They have no idea what people want. And yet they still want on a centralized economy, on a central planning uh, system. And then that always fails, you know. Uh, but, and, and so what that brought was inflation, chronic inflation. Uh, it is weird when we don't have two or three digit inflation a year. We we feel like something's wrong, and and so for for my whole life we've had two digit inflation or more, and so Millet proposes a way out of this. Again, he proposes not dollarization per se. He talked about dollarization because of a circumstance. He talked about the free exchange of any currency. So you can have any currency, you can get paid in any currency, and if someone else will have it, you can pay them with that currency. He's talking about not having a currency at all. But Argentinian, Argentinians uh, in general, since the 90s, we've all been saving money uh, by buying dollars. Uh, so the dollars are the currency that we use to save money. They are the reserve of value here in Argentina. And so when he spoke about this free system of currencies, he said at the beginning, it's going to be inevitable for Argentinians to dollarize because everyone has dollars and everyone sees the value of dollars. But with more time, since it's going to be open for all currencies, you can use yen, yuans, euros, whatever currency you want. That's what he proposes. And what what of this comment that things, I mean, did something happen this week or were these leftists just exaggerating? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's not this week, it's uh, last week. The inflation numbers for December were 20%. And uh, what he forgot to tell you is that the expected number was 45% for, for January. And so we avoided a hyperinflation scenario by simply following economic orthodoxy. So now we're cleaning house. The central bank is cleaning house, it's buying dollars, it's settling debts. And so we expect that for next month, it's gonna be around 20 as well, but on February or March, it's gonna drop down to 15 or something, something along those lines. Uh, definitely for July, it's gonna be around 6%, and that would be the lowest inflation in the last 15 years. And to get your thoughts then maybe on the broader trends in Latin America, you know, Millet, uh, also um, the Argentine government formally rejected um, BRICS, right? Uh, yes. And then you've got your your neighbors, uh, you know, the, the, the whole motley crew there, Lula in Brazil, um, who says, if you don't take 50 COVID vaccinations, I don't care how many we're going to take away your bolsa familia, the social welfare. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, you know, he's nuts. And then you've got, um, I, I'm ashamed that he's Croatian, Boric, the Croatian Chilean yeah. president. My last name is yeah. Moric, Boric, and he's a, he's a hardcore Marxist who wants to take away everyone's guns. It seems like he's having yeah. a hard time, though, uh, when, when they tried to update the Constitution. He, he did things did not go his way. You've got Petro in Colombia, 
of course, Venezuela, uh, and then you, and they're kind of linked up with uh, AMLO here in Mexico. Um, and then you've got Bukele doing interesting stuff in, 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 in El Salvador. How do you sort of, mm -hmm. what, what's going on more broadly speaking in Latin America? Well, we're looking at the tail end of a, of a movement that began in the 80s. Uh, this entire left uh, left wing apparatus that is controlling all these countries in South America began working in the 1980s. Many of these presidents and ministers and representatives and senators were actually uh, terrorists for the communist uh, guerrillas. And no one seems to talk about that. And people seem to forget. Yet they still have this amount of support and because they have uh, they coordinate amongst one another. That's why it's so surprising that Malay won. Uh, no one questions that, that Venezuela and Cuba are financing and helping all these governments in the rest of uh, Latin America. Uh, of course, Venezuela much more than Cuba. Cuba basically cannot really do much nowadays. But definitely, this is a, a detail end the system is completely spent. It's impotent and sterile. They couldn't provide newer faces. They couldn't get. Uh, they couldn't adapt to the necessities uh, of the people. And so we are looking at the tail end. I I'm least I'm hopeful that this is the tail end. But a trap beast. When when you trap a rat, it's going to fight harder than a lion, right? And um, that's a little creation creation saying for you. <laughs> And um, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's the the main the main takeaway I think. So now we're looking at Maduro cleaning cleaning house in the in the military because he fears for his life. The his invasion of the Guyan failed, and so now he's gonna start. Uh, it's gonna start unraveling. Every every dictator at the end of their regimes, they try to invade some other place and they fail, and that ends their regime. So. Uh, because they are trying to gather popular support. Basically, he failed, and he's going to keep on failing because he doesn't have what Chavez had. He's not a military uh, officer. He is not as popular as Chavez. He's not as cunning as Chavez. So he, I, I don't expect him to hold on for much longer. I expect it to be a five-year 10-year thing. In between 5 and 10 years, we're going to be seeing the end of the Maduro regime. And with that, uh, every other left-wing regime is going to start falling. Peru famously has a very right-wing libertarian option, and they keep on being a competitive alternative to what they have today. Um, uh, Ecuador is a dollarized country, and now after all this trouble with the terrorists taking over uh, TV stations and killing people on the streets and basically de declaring war, now the military is taking over the streets. And so I, I believe we're going to see a surprise in the elections on, on Ecuador. And then Colombia, Bolivia, Chile, Brazil, everything is on its due course, on its last uh, embers. I, I don't think it's going to be a longer, a longer uh, period of strife for us. Uh, certainly, Millet is going to be a huge, huge influence on the region. He is an international figure nowadays. It's, it's, it's uh, after Davos, he 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 made an, an impact worldwide, but he also made a huge impact on Latin America. And so you have 
two, uh, two very charismatic leaders, and now I'm bringing it back to Bukele. Bukele is as charismatic as Milei is, and they are showing alternatives. Milei is going to fix the economy, and it's going to show us that there is a way out of poverty, and Bukele is showing us that there is a way out of uh, fear, and there is a way out of the, the, the um, constant uh, criminality and uh, everything by just putting people in jail. So no human rights violation, just, just put them in jail, and that's it. And he's showing that it's another alternative. So both on the safety, on the security side, and on the economic side, Latin America is going to have an example of things that work, and that is going to be a deciding factor in the next elections for the entire region. Well, it's it's good to hear uh, this optimistic take uh, from you. And you know, it was a good point as well that a lot of these guys were uh, former terrorists and. For me, the top one of them all is I call him Tedros, the terrorist of the World um, Homicide Organization, the WHO, mm -hmm. right? In his past life, he was a Marxist um, a terrorist. We're going to jump to our break again. If someone wants to chime in, leave a question for Agustin, put it in the chat, email or, or call in. We'll be right back. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. About 11 years ago, Dr. Michael Mann slapped a lawsuit on Mark Stein, and that is coming to trial now. As a matter of fact, the trial is going on. But I can't figure out how this guy would do this. Let me read you some of his choice tweets. Trump will happily kill you, your children, and your parents to get elected. The GOP is pure evil. The GOP is a scourge upon the earth that must be destroyed. They are evil in the purest forms. It's not just Trump, but the entire Republican Party that is rotten and evil to its very core. The GOP is pure evil, must be destroyed. I guess he tweeted that twice. <laughs> the third one. The GOP is such a pure form of evil. The modern GOP is one of the most purely evil entities in the world today. This is a man who advocates for a one-party system. And he's one of the prominent climate scientists out there that is pushing this agenda, which is designed to do just that. Eliminate all opposition, eliminate freedom of thought, whether it's with climate or with everything else, and simply just toe the line to what he and his ilk want. So it's a very important trial. Apparently, Mark Stein said that he was a fraud because of his hockey stick. Now, I'm not going to use that terminology. You know why? Because I've never looked at the data that he used. But wouldn't it make you suspicious the reason I can't see it? is because he won't let anyone else see it. This is the man who wants a one-party system in the United States. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. May the forecast be with you. It's the only weather you've got. When I had my heart event close to four years ago, I was at the gym, thought I deserve a coffee, and thought I'll top up with fuel, ordered a coffee. But while I was pumping fuel, I started to get chest pains. Then it got worse and worse and worse. So then I was leaning on the counter thinking, yeah, something's not quite right. So then I went to wait for the coffee and that's when it really, really hit. And Joy just, you know, mouthed, do you need an ambulance? And I remember nodding. I wasn't even thinking about a heart attack. I just thought something is seriously wrong with me here. So when the cardiologist came to see me, she informed me that I'd had what they call a widowmaker heart attack. Bit of a shock when someone says, you know, you nearly died. <laughs> 
Everybody should be aware of all the symptoms of a heart attack that women can have that aren't typical of the shoulder pain, the right arm pain. I go to the gym, I do yoga, Pilates, I swim, I go on bike rides, and yet I still had a heart attack. You just don't know it could be you. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our final segment here with uh, Agustin Beldi coming to us from Argentina, giving us an update on uh, Argentina, Javier Millet, Latin America, and um, maybe to get your thoughts on what's happening in the U.S., in America. Um, today, the news is crazy. You know, Texas, what's happening with the border, where we've got a government, um, you know, out there in Washington, which is just nuts. It's, it's you know, it's globalist. It's collectivist. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's tyrannical. And so now we're, we're coming to a clash. There's talk of civil war, right? They're putting out this movie propaganda. They Some people want this civil war. Uh, many of us do not. But now it's like a showdown where we're seeing a showdown. We've got 25, uh, you know, half of the country's states are standing behind Texas. And so um, what do you make of what's happening there with Greg Abbott, Texas, the migration crisis? Um, these are two problems. For, in my perspective, there are two problems here. First, you got the political side and then you got the demographics side. On the political side, I would recommend people that don't really know about the subject to get a video, get the video of Biden's last speech. On that last part, when he mumbles whatever he said, the incoherent, incoherent rumble that came out of his mouth. And but don't look at him. Listen to the people cheering. They understood nothing of what he said, yet they cheered. Don't doesn't that remind you of of, for example, uh totalitarian regimes and how the people just cheer at whatever the leader says? And that doesn't happen on the right. Uh, there are thousand, countless videos of people booing at Trump when he talks about the vaccines or when he talks about the, 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 the regulations on guns that he proposed as press, when he was president. So people on the right are actually thinking critically, but the people on the, on the, that support the Democratic side uh, are, are, are not, or apparently don't seem to be. Um, in that regard, people should try to look at the... Um, people around the Biden and, and the, the figures that are coming up now on the Democratic Party. Those are the people that are going to start managing the agenda from now on. There is this, uh, I think he's a senator that had a stroke. What was his name? Fetterman. Um, Fetterman. Fetterman uh, is talking like a 1980s, 1990s Democrat. And there is a reason for that. And he's trying to capture back capture back uh, that kind of narrative. And it's more in line with what many, many Republicans want, or at least the Democrats that run away to the Republican Party because the Democrats went crazy. So that's the political side. You got one political party, Democrats, talking to one half of the country, and you got, and that half of the country is following them blindly, and then you got the Republican side on the other on the other line on the other hand that are thinking critically of what's going on and they're preparing in advance. So when when these kind of political tensions rise, there is always a, 
something that detonates everything. And nowadays, I believe that is immigration. And now we go to the demographic side. I don't know what the strategy is to letting hundreds of thousands of people in with no reason at all. There is a libertarian argument for letting people in whatnot. I do not adhere to that. But uh, if I were to talk candidly, I think that it is a, uh, it is something that primarily affects uh, red states. And, and if you look at California, the, the majority of these illegal immigrants end up in a, end up working in fields as slaves. So uh, you, you got a, a population that they're trying to bring in to make them work as slaves. And, and at the same time, they're destroying the economy of these states that they're, that they're flooding into. I, I, I believe that certainly the people that are thinking critically are going to look at that and say, hey, they're doing something to me and they're trying to hurt me. So it's inevitable that the people that think critically are going to feel that there is a civil war coming. But what people don't understand, I think, is that the Democrat voter just wants the status quo. They just want some kind of semblance of a charade, a security theater that they can be okay with. But they didn't account for the cunning of Abbott and DeSantis. When they started taking immigrants to other uh, sanctuary cities, that made national news. And now people are realizing. And so people in, in New York are seeing immigrants. People in Oklahoma are seeing immigrants. People in in the northern states as in immigrants. So now it's not just a border problem, it's a national problem. And the Democrats, just like the socialists in Latin America, they are not adapting and they don't have a narrative argument against the right for this. So what they're doing, I believe, is they are waiting. They're waiting for when someone else is president and they start taking illegal immigrants to camps and they start processing them to send them back they are waiting with their cameras so that they can say, hey, look, this Nazi concentration camp. That's what they want, I believe, I think, instead of a civil war. That, that is a fascinating point, and that never crossed my mind. But we'll, I guess we'll see later this year, next year, and then in the next couple years. And um, I, I do want to get – and Nadler, I mentioned this last week, uh, right? Uh, he mentioned openly, these Democrats openly racist, you know, um, talking about we need the illegal aliens to come in to do the dirty work that Americans don't want to do. And it's funny. That's they paint lie. like – Right. Lie. I mean, but they, the, that's what there he's – There is no work that no one is unwilling, unwilling to do. There is a um, – what is his name? Uh, short George Washington Brooker. I think he's the only American that ever come close to solving the racial problem in the United States. Um, he was a black man and he built schools for uh, black people for for slaves, and he taught them he taught taught them trades. Um, and if you read his book, is quite interesting. He said that there is no racism when you have something that people need. And so, if you are the only plumber. In a town, no one cares that you are white, black, Asian, whatever color. No one cares. You are the only plumber. <laughs> what are they going to do? Call you names as you fix their plumbing? So uh, uh, that's that's a very, uh, I think that's the point here. And he, 
why why do I take him as an example? It's because I believe that the left in this progressive mindset they have fallen back on miscegenation. They have fallen back on 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 the wrong side of 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 the narrative argument. And I always look at it from an Argentinian point of view. We've never had a racial struggle in our lifetime, in in our history. We've never had religious problems in our history, except in the 90s when Iraq when Iraq sent those those terror uh, terror uh, attacks on the on the Israel on the um, Israel uh, embassy and the Jewish center in Buenos Aires city, and those were foreign invaders. And but uh, and and we never had a problem with slavery. We outright abolished it since the moment we declared our our our, our country independent and we signed the constitution. So. And we went through a civil war before we signed the constitution and slavery was never an argument on either side of the of the political spectrum so federalists and confederates and and unitarians they were at war with one another but slavery was never an issue so we've we've never had that problem with racism per se we've never had miscegenation laws we've never had the problem that someone would go to a bank and they wouldn't have given him a, a loan if he was black or, or Italian or Spanish or Spaniard or, or Asian or whatever. We, we never had that problem. And and so when I look at the United States right now, what I see are open wounds. And, and, and the left is capitalizing on this bleeding open wound. And unfortunately, there is no way out of it unless... There is some kind of huge reconciliation. And I think the only guy that can actually do that is Donald Trump. His irreverent temperament, his I don't care what you tell me, I'm going to do it anyway, kind of working in politics is the only way. Uh, people just, uh, because there is diplomacy in not caring about what the other guy says. And so when, and we see that in the rising popularity he has on black communities. Um, I've, I saw a couple of polls that that non-white people are actually like driving, driving, uh, they're crazy for Trump, and and I found that funny, and I was like, yes, that he he's not racist, and he doesn't appear racist, and when you listen to him talk, you're actually having a good time, so he's making you laugh. He doesn't care about the left; he just does whatever he thinks is necessary, and so that's why he's. He's, I think, is the, the 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 angle that he's he has on that that regard. Well, I think um, this election uh, is going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're uh, one minute to midnight. I'm going to have to get you back for more of your thoughts. Um, but um, you know, I, I did want to ask you about your thoughts about the American Empire and and whether you see it declining. But uh, about a minute left. You know, any final thought, and then tell us um, where we can find you uh, on the internet. You can find me anywhere on, on the internet as Agus Beldi, A-G-U-S-B-E-L-D-I. Uh, I do not believe in anonymity. And so uh, just Google my name and you're going to find me. Uh, anything else, I'm always, my DMs are open. So any questions or just holler me on the internet and I'll, I'll try to answer. All right. Well, enjoy those nice uh, Argentine uh, steaks and, and, and wine. Uh, Have a great weekend. Uh, I'll be right back. Thank you.